Hello, everybody. It's Sean Keevan here, about to bang out another app of the lineup, or TLU for short. I'd just like to share my passion with you first, though. We know each other well enough by now, I think. I want to tell you that I'm in love. I know. With this Fender American Vintage 2, 1957 reissue Stratocaster. And just wait till you hear it plugged into an amplifier. This series of guitars is amazing. I have to try and stop myself from swearing. Totally faithful to the millimetre recreations of classics in the Fender range. Mine is the most historic. It goes way back to 1957, this one. You can almost smell the Brill Cream. Older body, seafoam green, nitrocellulose yellow maple. Perfect out of the box. Banging tone. I can't keep my hands off her. Head to fender.com forward slash the lineup to learn more. Oh, hello, Rory. Hello. I've got a metronome on and we're at 120 BPM. We've got 120 BPM. <laughs> I've always wanted to do an interview to a metronome, actually. It might just give it a bit yeah. of a... <laughs> I think 120 might be a little bit fast. <laughs> yeah. uh... got it. The Festival. Here we go. There's really nothing quite like it. When you pick the right acts to see, it's musical nirvana. So if given the power of the festival gods to have absolutely any act you desire, alive or not, playing in that perfect spot at the perfect moment, who would you choose? MC5. Oh, yeah. And Stooges. Detroit Supernova. I just imagine this is the perfect one. It's going to be Burt Bacharach <gasps> and Friends. I was like, yes! It's such an anthem for yes! that, isn't it? If you're wearing a coat, you go take that coat off, baby, <laughs> and get wet up. Behold, the greatest day of our lives. Ah, yeah, let's go! Welcome to the lineup, you beautiful spirit of Eden. We want to be free. You could have seen this coming a mile off. Oh! You dirty old man. It's not a good start, is it? Uh, how old are you, Sean? Do you remember the first man on the moon? No, don't be so fucking cheeky, I don't. Uh, neither do I remember where I was when Kennedy was shot, because I wasn't born, okay? I must admit, though, I am old enough to remember rag and bone men wheeling their wares down our cul-de-sac back in the 70s. Back then, choosing the life of a proto-environmentalist meant a life of near penury and the perpetual smell of horse manure. But now being rag and bone man, in the music biz, is a glitzy gig altogether. Three Brit Awards, Ivan Novello's collabs, <laughs> short for collaborations, with Calvin Harris and Pink. Possibly, I, might, I think I'm right in saying Zucchero as well. Yeah. Let's get him on. <laughs> it's Rory Graham to his well. It's rag and bone man. Hello. Hello, sir. Thanks very much for doing this, Rory, because it... You are more than welcome. You are an extraordinarily difficult man to pin down, though, because it's it's been a it's been a kind of nuts couple of years in particular. It's been nuts since about 2016, really, hasn't it? Yeah, man. And also, just like being a yeah. dad at the same time, trying to like, I'm really sorry I can't do the podcast because I've got to take the boy to rugby <laughs> or something like that. You know, so very boring. I'm not at a party with Mick Jagger. I'm taking oh. the boy to rugby. Is, 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 is Ruben a rugby boy then? Is that his, his, his favourite sport? 
Ruben isn't, but they're so sort of I've sort of acquired more family now. <laughs> so uh, we've got t- two older boys, oh, yeah, which are okay. 12, 12 and thirteen, and they are fully invested in rugby. Right. So you know, it's like it's training twice a week, games on a Sunday. I've recently been roped into running a uh, like calf by you know where they train and do their matches uh so you, you can find me on a sunday at the local <laughs> rugby pitch uh serving bacon baps it's not uh god it's not how i saw myself in my mid-30s but that is what i'm doing that's such a beautiful thing though i love that the the the, the sort of prosaic normal nature of that like you said that you you know you know yeah. i'm afraid i can't yes because i'm flying out back out to nashville to record the, the, <laughs> some vocals for the album no i'm just serving up bacon and sausage baps down at the local rugby yeah. pitch Exactly. Phenomenal stuff. Um, and work because obviously I can see that you're in your studio. So where exactly yeah. do where where are you at the moment? Are you in Brighton? I'm in Sussex. We're like somewhere between Brighton and Tunbridge Wells, in a little village in the middle of nowhere. Where no, you know, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of people, uh, and it's very quiet. Um, so this is where I built my studio because it's, it's very very quiet, and it's there's just trees, and it's. Uh, a perfect place to make music. And what, what, just stay with the geography of things for a moment, because you come from a place called Uckfield in Sussex. Yeah, so so we're really close to there. So yeah. I, I basically moved back to where my family are. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it, to do that? Yeah, back to the yeah, bosom. Man. And because uh, it's a funny, old, it's it's one of those places. It's quite a, it's an assault of a name, Uckfield, isn't it? I mean, but yeah, uh, yeah. if you type it into Google, the first like question, suggested question that comes up is, is Uckfield a nice place to live? Google says it is, uh, but Lord yeah. Lucan was last seen there, apparently. I heard that, yeah. Is that, is that one of the local um, sort of rumours that circulates? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's what makes the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we're about to do is, we're about to, uh, you're about to curate, with my help as the Festival Genie, the ultimate yeah. uh, fantasy festival and just as a bit of a reset for people who's not done this for a while it's not over a weekend it's one perfect golden day from sunrise yeah. to you know the yeah. following sunrise um mm-hmm. and that's basically how we do it and we're going to be asking for five acts from you but we're sticking with geography for a minute where on where on the planet should we put this fantasy festival well i i actually i thought about this quite quite maybe too much <laughs> but um over the years, there hasn't been many festivals around here. Yeah, and and I thought Bright at Brighton as a place for a festival was pretty great. There's been a couple over the years that happened and then didn't happen again, but ne- there's never been a constant sort of yeah. festival around here. So hang on a minute. Yeah, it's it's very very beautiful, and you've got the Downs, haven't you? Got Downs. Yeah, you've got the Sussex yeah. Downs. Yeah. You've got the sea. Yeah. I mean, when I think about live music and, and Brighton, I always think about Fat Boy Slim. Yeah. Because he's a local legend, isn't he? He does some great stuff on the beach, yeah. which has been amazing. And over the years, that with their, there was at one time a, a hip-hop festival, like a UK kind of hip-hop festival on the beach. I'm going to say 2008, if my memory serves me correctly. <laughs> um, but like they, they sort of happened and then never happened again. Well, just before we get into the first um, the, the first band or act that we're going to have on, uh, in this, and that's the Dawn Chorus, that's really early in the day, but we'll get to that in a minute. Wh- wh- who first got you into music, Rory? Um, it was really my mum and dad. I mean, uh, my, my dad's always been a, a guitarist. He's always played f- folk and um, blues and stuff. There was always people in our house playing music, you know, sitting down with guitars and stuff. 
you couldn't really get away from it. I wonder if your dad particularly ever had a, or did he ever tell you about a moment where he recognised that you had a great voice? Because obviously, I know that when you, when you were a bit older, maybe when you were going to up and mic yeah. nights and stuff, maybe yeah. people started yeah. to notice it. But did your parents ever go, Jesus, Rory's got pipes on him? Yeah, I think, well, I think there's a few times where we sat sat around the table after dinner and we, and dad used to play the guitar quite a lot. And I maybe sort of piped up a few times and sung along with something. And um, his ears may have pricked up and, and it, you know, and gave me encouragement. But I think probably at that time I, I was maybe in my sort of teens and didn't, I wasn't sort of um, very outgoing and I didn't want to yeah. be noticed as such, you know. Well, that's it. Because you, is it fair to say that you were a shy teen? I was pretty shy. I was, well, for my stature, I was pretty shy, you know. I was a, a, quite an assuming character physically yeah. and people, you know, still do sort of see me as like this sort of giant that, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the old people look at and go, oh, <laughs> oh, aren't you big? Oh, and yeah. Uh, and, and, and people often say stuff like, how tall are you? Yeah. Uh, well, probably about this big, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere here. I've got a tape measure in my back pocket. Hang on a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that thing as I was going to come to, really, because I've got my one of my mates, Big Al, and, and the name gives yeah. it away, really. From when we were a, about 15 or 16, he was so visible. You know, when you started to go out, when you start to socialise, he was, yeah. it was almost like he was famous without being famous. Did you find that <laughs> a little bit? You know what I mean? That you kind of stand out even though you don't particularly want to. Yeah, and, and yeah, because I was always above everybody else <laughs> physically. But yeah, and, and, and also makes life harder when you, you do get noticed. But you sometimes there's there's days where you don't, you really yeah. don't want to be noticed. You're like, I may be tucked into that second bottle of wine last night, or whatever, and I'm feeling particularly fragile or something, and I don't particularly want to be noticed in yeah. in like Sainsbury's or whatever. You can't really escape rag and bone man, can you? Because you're sort of not really, not really. That's I, I get that. If you're like, if you're a sort of, if you're a Tom Cruise or something like that, you can stick a hoodie on and maybe even like draw on a bit of a Rack false hat. beard, and nobody notices, yeah. do they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not really going to get away. You're with not that. going to get away with that, to be fair. Testing. Is everybody ready yet? We, did. we should probably talk about who the first act of... Oh, and also, I know Natalie's going to be right on me about this. We do need a name for the festival. Oh, crikey. Yeah. Now, we can come back to I, it, but if you've got something... I hadn't even... That's not even something I'd thought about. Mm. I, I've got a little note on my phone where I was trying to make notes about stuff. But that's not something I even thought about. I think Natalie's suggestion was Scrapyard Festival. Um, I think I might, yeah. I might have thrown her kind of makes, maybe, maybe sounds like it might be a sort of uh, a car based <laughs> oh, yeah. festi festival or something. <laughs> yeah, Chris Evans <laughs> might turn up at some point. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we could, we could circle. We'll come back to that. Okay, that, okay. I'll have a, I'll have a think in what was it. It can ruminate, and it, it probably start to take shape as as the as the artists start to come in. Mm -hmm. And here it is time for the first one. So we're we're in Sussex. The the dew. I always say this. The dew is still glistening on the grass. The sun is just coming up. It's early. It's so early in the morning, even though it's summer, that you can just about see your breath. You might have had your first coffee of the morning, and the first act is going to hit the stage. Who's it going to be? 
Fairport Convention. <gasps> Forgive me for saying this, and obviously because yeah. I, I didn't see it coming. That, and I'm really, I'm so gratified to hear you say that name. I don't, I don't think they've appeared yet on any of the lineups for the. Oh line. really? Yeah, I don't think they have. Okay. Or if they have, I've completely forgotten. So tell yeah. me why. Tell me what what your connection is to that band. I I just I remember. Um, my parents were really great at this. They would let me go through the vinyl collections and just pick out, you know, what I wanted to play. And I um, maybe it was sort of early teens or whatever. And I, 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 I just one day started playing Legion Leaf. You can't not be compelled by Sandy Denny's voice. She mm. just it's it it's just amazing. Like it sends you somewhere else completely. So angelic. And then I then I don't think I'd ever heard the combinations before of like folk and kind of prog and or everything in between and then stories like Matty Groves that you're like this is completely new to me there's something about because English folk and the English folk the vo- vocal stylings are so very different than American yeah, folk vocal yeah. stylings aren't they that like you said there is that that purity to it. I don't know. I didn't feel like there's that many bent notes in it like there is in the blues. It's like, mm-hmm. funnily enough, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was Robert Plant talking about okay. uh, Battle of Evermore on Led Zeppelin 4. And of course, that was the the only song in, in the Led Zeppelin canon that Robert Plant shared a vocal with anybody. And he was, to- and it was with Sandy Denny. And, yeah. uh, and that's what he was talking about, about how, I guess you'd transport it back hundreds of years, aren't you, when you hear a voice like that in a funny way? You, you're taken completely away from modernity altogether. You are. And, I, yeah, I can't, I can't explain what I felt when I first heard it, but um, it's just a record that I, I, I always play now still. Yeah. And I, I like a lot of their catalogue, but I, I especially like that record. Legion Leaf. And so yeah. I like that. You, I guess you'd have a, a choice at this juncture where you could get them, they could play the, the album in full, if you like. You know what I mean? Is it yeah. your festival? With the, with, the, with the original lineup. With the original lineup, that's it. Yeah, with, it has to be with Sandy Denny. So. Oh, God. Not that I dislike Richard Thompson's voice at all. I think he's great, but yeah. And then you've got Swarbrick and you've got all those. Dave Swarbrick, yeah. yeah. It means some of the greatest sort of players of all time, really. Yeah. And we do encourage collaborations here mm-hmm. on, on the lineup. Just mentioning Robert Plant and Sandy Denny singing together. And you've done quite a few already, haven't you? With yeah, yeah. incredible effectiveness with Pink and with George Smith. And yeah. is there anybody on your list? Is there anybody who you'd like to sing with or you've or you've maybe approached or you you've not approached but you might like to? I mean, I I did quite a few sort of hip hop collaborations yeah. early on. But like as like a group, the Roots would always be someone, a, a group that I'd love to collaborate with. I have massive love for Questlove, obviously, um, and his his kind of musical journey, and and um, I just think as a group it'd be it'd be amazing to work with them. I worked very briefly with James Boysner, the keys player, um, and we tried to write some stuff together in in New York a few years ago, but it just it didn't kind of work out. But um, yeah, that's 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 a that's a big on my list of collaborations. It must be. Is it quite a good position that you've got yourself into now, though? Because it feels like you've you are one of the recognised voice talents of this time. So, it, I assume, being a layman, that if you approach somebody, there's a pretty good chance that you might be able to work with them at some point. Well, you say that, but you still. I, I like when I asked Pink to do the song with me. That wasn't. It was nothing to do with 
a record label or anything. It was just my thought about this particular song that would really suit her. And, you know, if it, there was going to be any duets on that record, that was going to be the one. So my, I hadn't really asked that many people on a sort of personal level. It, I was amazed that she actually even came back to me. It was like, this is, she's like a proper superstar. She's not yeah. going to know you like, she's not going to say, but straight away she was like, yeah, I'll do it. I really like it. Uh, and, that, and that kind of amazed me. So it got me thinking about, actually, if, if I have these ideas, why can't I ask? Yeah. You know? and, and maybe they will say yes. It's, but you must have a bit of a producer's ear as well, because it's it's not all just because you like somebody's voice doesn't mean it's going to blend yeah. well with yours, does it? You know what I mean? No, absolutely. It doesn't always no, work, I, does it? No, I've done uh, sort of a, a couple of collaborations here and there. I won't say yeah. who, but uh, but but they just because just because you think, oh yeah, those two yeah. things go together, they definitely don't yeah. always. Well, exactly. It's like I'm trying to think. For me, it's like peanut butter and blackberry jam. You know what I mean? I like yeah. peanut butter. Yeah. I like blackberry jam. I don't want them on the same piece of toast. No, you do not. You know what I mean? It's just my, perhaps that's just my view. It might be unpopular. Okay, we've got an incredible start point there. Sussex Downs. Oh, also, let's, let's talk a little bit about how you do start the day. Do we, whilst we're standing there watching the original Fairport convention, rocking through Legion Leaf and all the different dynamics of it, how do you breakfast? Do, do you have coffee or tea? Uh, maybe you have some kind of green juice. What's the situation? <laughs> I'm not really a green juice type of person, but I say that I, I have started doing it on tour because I tried to look after myself a little bit more um, <laughs> than than I used to. And I'd say depending on what day of the festival it was, but we're saying it's a one-day yeah, festival. Yeah. So I'm going to say I'm not hungover. No, not yet. So, no. So I'm, I I think I just have lots of coffee because yeah. I'm, really I'm not really a breakfast person. At best, I might indulge in a croissant or something. Yeah, kind. yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, all right. Okay. I'll get Maybe. some I'll get some good bit, goods for us. And just well, we'll come to rum later. Actually, oh, that, uh, maybe a Danish or something. Danish, That'd be quite uh, nice. Danish, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get a smorgasbord of your baked goods. Lovely. So we can Lovely. choose, you know. And I'll, as I say, I'll come back to rum because I think rum deserves its own moment in this podcast. Oh yeah, because I think that's something yeah. we're both quite passionate about. Okay, good. Um, that's the first uh, act up on a brilliant start. As we edge towards mid morning now, who who's the next person or people that we're going to put on stage? Well, I was trying to think maybe something that followed the kind of folk sound, but I I think maybe we would go a bit more soulful and uh, Donny Hathaway was my was my next. I presume we're allowed people that are dead. <laughs> yeah. They can come back. I think yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not very I'm not really a details guy, but I reckon about sixty to sixty five percent of the people that have ever been chosen have been dead. Oh, Okay, cool. Because that's kind of the point. In a way, that's because it's a yeah, complete fantasy. Yeah. It's better to get people yeah. you can't have otherwise, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Donny always, I always think immediately of Amy, of Amy Winehouse when I think yeah. about Donny Hathaway because she was, well, I mean, she even name checks him in song, doesn't she? So Yeah, she's a fanatic. She was colossally into him. So uh, and, and yeah. what about for you then? What, what, what was your introduction to him? Why is he so resonant for you? Well, I, I actually... Um, I found Donny Hathaway through like Dr. Dre. 
I was basically just, I, I didn't know anything about him at all. I started to get into hip hop at a, a sort of mid teens, I guess, about 14 or 15. And I had this mate, Swanee, he's really, really into hip hop. And, and he, I, I guess he'd been to America quite a lot. So he, he had an insight into hip hop more than I did and, and, and knew a lot more of, you know, I was just kind of listening to, I guess, like Snoop Dogg and, and, and whatever was kind of available to me in a small town in Sussex, whatever was in like Woolworths. In the CD shops, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then um, I, I, I started listening to the, the record, The Chronic by Dr. Dre, and he samples Little Ghetto Boy on that record. And so that, that was my kind of introduction to Donny Hathaway. So there's this one particular record, the live record, where I probably listened to it on a weekly basis. I don't, I don't, I don't ever not listen to it. You know, it's, it's, it's just such an amazing record, especially as it's a live record. And yeah. it just is, it's amazing. It really is. Like his, his, I, 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 I go through these conversations with people a lot and you kind of pick your best voices, sort of male and female voices, and like who, who, who's the best? And I, I honestly think he's my favourite singer of all time. And he did the famously the duets with uh, Roberta Flack, didn't he? Which again, speaking about yeah. blended vocals, those guys yeah. were like what, something special, weren't they? Yeah, it's like two different kinds of butter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to butter for me. And apparently, I didn't know this, but I. I, I'm not a student of Donny, even though I, I, I know I know him mm. and love some of his his records. But he, yeah. Nat's telling me that this Christmas is one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time, which is a Donny Hathaway song. It's pretty great. Which is something that is is obviously appropriate as we come up to Advent. What a great start, Donny! After Le- the Legion Leaf, it's a bit of a weird start, but I, I think it would work. No, I definitely think it would. I mean, we should talk a little bit about the about you starting off like that and uh, you know playing with people like with the rum committee before yeah. before oh yeah. that actually wasn't wasn't a, a, a symbol I've not got any drums in it it's just my uh, that's my light <laughs> it's quite quite percussive um as rum committee you you perform with some pretty big hip hop legends didn't you Pharaoh yeah. Monk and uh, KRS-One what yeah. what was that like was did you did you learn a lot doing stuff like that yeah, I think you, do you know what I learned the most is stage presence. When I first started performing, how I got into rum committee is through an open mic night in Brighton called Slip Jam Beer. I've been going since the 90s and people would play beats and you'd rap or sing or whatever. I, the most difficult thing I found at first was being able to stand there and look people directly in the eyes or just even face the crowd. And I even up to the point where I was, we were doing gigs as rum committee. I'd 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 be like off center, or just just looking somewhere else other than like directly at the crowd, because it just freaked me out so much. The early on doing those gigs with people like, especially KRS One and Pharaoh, they are they're like masters. Their presence on yeah. stage is great, like it really is great. And um, just watching those guys, just being able to stand there strong and yeah. not and not be shy about it. Yeah, because that that was that was my biggest thing that I struggled with early on was being able to, to just having confidence. I think we forget that as people who are performed too, 
that that is but not from perhaps every performer but for most performers it's learned isn't it you know okay maybe yeah. maybe freddie mercury or somebody was was a born performer but most of you aren't aren't you you got to learn that those chops and i think that word presence is the thing isn't it is like yeah oh yeah you stop apologizing for yourself on stage and you accept <laughs> that you're there and that people are here to see you yeah. i suppose yeah yeah and just feeling a little bit like you deserve it as well like not uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm still not the greatest presence on stage. I don't, but I, I feel like I I try to let my personality out a little. You get yeah, you, you've got to give right. yourself, even if it's not like standing there on and like yeah. sort of reaching into the crowd. You if you're giving of yourself fully, yeah. then I suppose that's what the crowd are there for, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I I still struggle with that standing there and looking at people, so I tend to pick a spot, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, how do you? I, I'm much, much better. How do you? I mean, does it come back to run to some degree? How do you psych yourself up to get on stage? Sometimes, <laughs> do, do you have moments even now where you're like, Christ, yeah, I do not want to go out there. I'm terrified. Yeah, I mean, I t there's not many times where I don't at least have one before I go on, because uh, it sort of settles my nerves a little bit. And I, I, I used to drink a lot more before I went on stage. I mean, hence why we were called the Rum Committee. <laughs> Says there was a lot there there was a lot consumed in those days. <laughs> I do take my own lessons and I I, I do realise I watched some of those videos back and realise how sloppy we were yeah. at at times, you know. I think we, we we were actually I was talking to Giz not long ago and he was like, Do you think we ever did a gig sober? <laughs> and I and I and I I don't think we did, but I, I remember the one time where Pharaoh Munch was coming to Brighton and we got the gig to support him at the Concord too. And um, it was probably the only time we rehearsed <laughs> as a group, like properly. And we all met up at Buckio's house and we all just, we went through our verses. And I think someone just piped up and said, look guys, do you reckon maybe we should save the rum till we're on stage? And I think we we all actually pr stayed fairly sober, yeah. at least for the first like four or five songs. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was one of the best gigs we ever did. It tells its own story because that. So so I don't. Um, yeah, I, I am I am wary of uh, how much I drink before I show. I'd never usually have more than two yeah. before I go on. Now, yeah. I mean. You know, I guess if you, it could be nominative determinism as well. If you'd called yourself the Lemonade Committee, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. It could have been a different yeah. vibe altogether. Yeah. I mean, have yeah, you... The Lap Sang Sushan Committee. If you ever get back together, that would be the, the name change. Uh, spo yeah. Sponsored by Diplomatico Rum, um, Sailor Jerry. Um, what's your favourite... Actually, I do need tips on this. What is your, what's your favourite rum? I've tried a lot because I put... I try to put like on my rider, so it sort of it says like, oh, I, a certain type of rum. But you know, go ahead and get something different if you want. Um, and I'm still, I still love, although it's one of the cheaper ones, is a Mount Gay. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Because uh, I like the lighter ones rather than the super super dark ones. I like a Diplomatico, yeah, just on its own. You know, yeah, as a little, especially at Christmas because it's quite a chocolatey yeah. kind of night yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's a nice christmas day a little dip oh, matco yeah. it's pretty good we got absolutely this always coming a mile off me and my wife years ago we went to we went to florence for a romantic weekend back when we could okay and we went back to this posh hotel and this extraordinarily charming barman was buttering us right up you must come back for a 
a nightcap. And we went back and it was this plush bar and it was all very romantic. And he poured us two tiny diplomaticos and it was like, I think he, I think he charged us like 40 euros for these two tiny <laughs> drops. of, And he gave us a little yeah, square yeah. of dark chocolate. He said, you must, you don't have uh, it with anything else. You just eat it with a little square of, and we were completely intoxicated and then realized that it was about 40 euros for a crate of the bloody stuff back at home, but delicious yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, I would say, please. Uh, I like a, I like a Ron, Ronza Kappa as well. What's nice that? Rum. I don't know that. Ronza Kappa. Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a very nice rum. And whilst you're savouring those latest festival choices, I'm just enjoying my tone. My Fender, American Vintage 2, Seafoam Green 57 Strat. I've not even plugged it in for you because if I do, you'll lose your minds. This is just such a beautiful guitar. And it's like, as Natalie's pointed out, I can't Rolodex through my litany of killer Fender riffs from the back pages of rock and roll history for PRS reasons, for copyright reasons, which is unfortunate. Uh, I mean, I can play you some mosque classics from my back catalogue, you know, you know, but it's, uh, I mean, I prefer to play you uh, while my guitar gently weeps or something. But honestly, if you had your hands on this, if you're a guitar player, you wouldn't be putting it down either. It is unputdownable. If you want to have a listen, if you want to find out more, hear the guitar in action at fender.com forward slash the lineup, and you will hear it on the next Sean Keaveney solo album. Where are you going? What are you, what are you doing that for? You putting that face for? You'll be sorry. So Donny Hathaway. Uh, we've had Fairport Convention, Donny Hathaway. We're getting to that kind of, you would almost say like a lull period in the proceedings now. And before we get the next act on, we'll probably have a bit of lunch. And you're, yeah. you're a pretty good chef, actually, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good. What is your go-to dish? If, 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 if we were coming round for dinner, you know, maybe, sit, mm -hmm. maybe you got to cater for six of us all together, what would you be yeah. considering putting on for us? Do you know what I've got really good at recently and is a crowd pleaser with the kids is pasties. Ooh. I've started. Oh, my, my, my middle son, Wilf, he, he will go to the ends of the earth for a Cornish pasty. Okay. You know? So he would love that. Yeah. So I, I made some the other day. I've, I made a massive stew with like shin of beef, <sighs> potatoes, uh, carrots and all that, all that kind of stuff. Loads and loads of wine and, uh, and kept, let it cook for like a whole day. And then we had that, and then I made pasties from the leftovers of that, and then also made like cheese and onion ones for the other boys that don't really like meat, um, and they turned out great. So I, I, re I reckon that that's and that's that's a good like that's a good filler as well. 
you know. It's also a great, it's the perfect festival food because it's yeah. self-contained. You don't yeah. need a knife and fork. You just need a, a napkin at best. Exactly. And away you go. Oh, that's a great idea. And do you, I mean, you're not making your own pastry as well, are you? you know, oh, no, 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 no. No, I no, that's a fact. I can't be bothered with that. No, no, no. We, nobody's got time to make their own bloody pastry. Okay, so that's what we're going to be eating. Before we get to Act 3, just uh, just asking you about about some of your lyrics as well. Yeah. Um, Especially on... On the on the the second album, yeah, Life by Misadventure. First of all, congrats! I, I quite I, I love the, the the sentiment of the title as Thank well. Thank you. <laughs> immediately you think Death by Misadventure, yeah, yeah, like yeah. an inquest. Yeah. So what what did that? What, what is what did what was the inspiration for that? Well, it just come from that. Like no, nothing's ever really certain, is it? So you just I think a lot of this record was really written about me being re- oh, just a bit frightened of the future and 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 the morality and having children and and um and where we are in in the world at the moment and and you know um just wanting the best for my for my kids and also just like what kind of world you're bringing them into <laughs> and yes. your fears about the future and i thought well you, you this the, you know you can worry and worry about stuff but that you you can't change it a lot of the time so you know that's that that was kind of the crux of the whole record you know and isn't it terrifying once you do have kids? Because yeah. you, there's no, like you say, that's the bit that you can't control. So yeah. I, I saw somebody describe it the other day as having a little piece of your heart running around the world. And I thought, really hit me that, because that's the thing about it. It's, it's like I have this this terrible nightmare that keeps recurring, which is like I'm driving a car down the road, but I'm not controlling the one that I'm driving. I'm controlling the one in front. And <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I keep I keep yeah. crashing it yeah. and trying to guess where it's going. And I guess that must be like a parent dream or something. Yeah, yeah it sounds exactly <laughs> like my dreams. <laughs> but also the lyrics, some of them seem obsessed with escape, you know, like anywhere yeah. away from here. And yeah. in talking to myself, you do as well. What, yeah. What is it? What is it? Do you think that you are? Tra- is it like the limelight you're trying to escape? Yeah, or? I think I don't. I I get asked about it a lot because it's something that I, listen. I love. I, I realize that I am incredibly lucky, and I get to do something that I wholeheartedly love. Uh, performing on stage is my favorite thing. But the, the things that come with it, I was never prepared for, and. Yeah. And um, I don't, for me, none of that comes naturally at all. You know, doing, I mean, the first time I walked out onto like a, you know, red carpet or those types of scenarios where there are lots of people taking pictures of you. Like, I, I, like, at the time, I remember thinking, I wish someone would come along with a massive fish hook and just pull me away (laughs) from this absolute nightmare (laughs) that I'm going through in my head. I'm in no way like complaining about it because, those difficult things are, you know, they, they're part and parcel of being, yeah. doing what I do, you have to do those things. And um, there are things that you become slightly more comfortable with. But um, yeah, often I have that feeling of, can someone just pull me out of this weird situation yeah. where, you know, I feel very uncomfortable. And like we touched on earlier, for you in particular, it's a bit harder to do anyway, because you you're, you're kind of a... 
an imposing person, it's difficult to just slip away unnoticed. Yeah, yeah, uh, I always yeah. call, I mean, I'm, I'm like that and no bugger knows who I am, but like, you know, even at parties and stuff, I, I've, I've realised that what I've done over the years is perfect what I believe is described as the French exit, <laughs> which is everybody starts getting smashed. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, you pretend, you, you say you're going to the toilet and then you just go home. Yeah. Which I think it, it's kind of a common feeling to a degree, isn't it? Especially, I, do you think that it's got something to do with the, the way we live now, the fact that yeah. with social media and with the internet, you can't ever really escape fully or find it, it's much more difficult, isn't it? I think, the, I mean, I don't have social media anymore because I am that sort of person that looks through 300 comments for the one bad one. Right. And um, I realised that about myself. And then like a year ago, I was like, I don't really have to have any of this on my yeah. phone, do I? Like, I really don't have to. Yeah. And everyone was like, no, you've... Well, it's what you pay us for. Like we'd do that. Yeah. But cool. That's well, great. So I don't have it. I don't have any of it on my phone. No Facebooks, Instagrams, Twitters, any anything like that. I just don't, I don't need it. And as soon as you don't do it, you're like, oh, life life is so much better without all yeah. of that. And then um, and then I, I'm like you. I do I do the French exit a lot. But often I, I've got quite comfortable with just saying, I'm going now, and yeah. and, and not giving a reason. Or yeah, just, yeah. just like it's okay to just say you you, you don't want to go to something and yeah. not and not saying oh sorry I can't come because it's yes. uh, no no I'm not coming. That's really good. That's because a little, pe- then, um, then people don't really know what to say. They've got no. You're not, there's no argument there, is there? No, you're not being rude. You're just saying oh, no, I'm, I'm not coming. Um, I won't. I won't give me a little shiver just just saying it in, in a pretend way though because there's, that, <laughs> there's something about there's something about maintaining a boundary that's very very uh, it feels good doesn't it like you say well, you're not you're not inviting a debate you're not saying no i can't come exactly. because and it's such my, a you know saying sorry i can't do something or sorry before you say anything else it's such a british thing to do yeah Oh, uh, you know, would you are you come into such as? Oh no, sorry, I can't make it. Why are you yeah. sorry? I'm not s- sorry. I just I just can't come. <laughs> oh, why? What? Well, because I don't want to. Oh, like <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it's, when when you realise what that's what it is. There's not really any need to put sorry yeah. sorry before that. You see, you're going to take that from this podcast. Uh, it's going to be subtitled "The Power of No." <laughs> no thanks. No, no thanks. Let's move on from Fairport Convention to Donny Hathaway. We're clutching our delicious homemade pasties and we're going to watch uh, the third act, which yeah. is going to be. What sort of time are we at? Right. Well, well I would say, let's have a look. Three. So the the one after this is like the sunset. So okay. this is like this late is afternoon, uh, mid mid to late afternoon. Yeah, so I, I feel like we need to pick the pace up, but not too, not too much. Um, I was going to go for Roots Manoeuvre. Oh, Rodney. Beautiful. I mean, he's been the, the, the king of British sort of hip-hop for over 20 yeah. years, I suppose, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. He was the first person that introduced me to to, to UK hip-hop, someone with a British accent mm. doing it. Because before then, I'd never, I'd never heard that before. And I, no. I turned on the TV and it was like 1999, 2000, and he was doing um, Dreamy Days on Jules Holland. It just, oh, it's just so great. Just hearing somebody with a British accent, you know, he's yeah. got a he's he's got a bit of Jamaican twang or whatever, but yeah. it's a British accent, you know. You think I'm sleazy? It's that ten pints are bitter, and all these these little things that he drops in that, like you said, they're so. Yeah, can you London picture English. past the honeymoon when she beats me with a wooden spoon? <laughs> and I was like, I just love it. It's so it's 
Like it's hip hop, but it's also so British. Yeah. Oh, lovely. That would be great. And he introduced me to a whole world of UK hip hop. I'd never heard, you know, I'd never heard Rodney P before. Obviously that comes before that. That's like London Posse and stuff. But he introduced me to, to, to all of that. And after that, I went out and bought Jest and I went out and bought music from the corner and Chester P and all those kind of guys. Like I, I fell in love with like UK hip hop. Because it's important that that's it. I think for a long time in the eighties and nineties, it was all American, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, oh, for know, sure. And, and you need to you need that British voice. And then I suppose a couple of years after, it was it was uh, it was Mike Skinner and the Streets and all yeah. that stuff, yeah. wasn't it? it was, yeah, and grime and stuff. Really. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was born more out of like garage and drum and bass, but still very British. What? Um, let's ask about as we're watching Rodders. Uh, mm. Who who would be in your in your crew? We're watching. We're what? We go to a perfect festival that you're curating. Who's who's with you in oh. the audience watching this? Oh God, I don't know. I man. mean, and, and that you, yeah. what you can do here, you can utilize the fantasy part of this, so you can have family, friends, but you can also augment that with living or dead celebrities just for fun, whatever oh, really? you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this there was quite a, a, a funny scenario where I found myself watching System of a Down at a festival in, where was it? I think it was like Pink Pop. Yeah. Netherlands. They had, it just doesn't happen very often. At a backstage at a festival, everyone's together in the compound, but really close. And um, they made it so it encourages sort of people just to sit around. And they ended up sitting around having a glass of wine. And I was weirdly, had my dressing room next to C6 Steve and Liam Gallagher. I was like, this is a strange situation. And then I found myself at the front of the crowd just with C6 Steve and Liam Gallagher (laughs) watching System of a Down. And I was like, this is really weird. (laughs) It's quite quite strange. And a great show, amazing show. And they're both just absolute gems of people. I like like really, really nice guys. And and they like to party as well. So, you know, maybe them too. And then I I couldn't not invite my missus. So, and probably the, probably the kids as well, because the two younger ones especially have got really into like coming to gigs and festivals. That's nice. And um, they really, really enjoy the whole experience. Maybe sort of Nana could come and pick them up at about eight o'clock or something, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's that, that you've just hit the nail on the head. Well. That's that's the perfect way to do it. Well, you want your kids there, yeah, up to a point, and then yeah. get to about eight o'clock at night. Nana takes them home. You can get stuck into the room. Exactly. That seems like the way to do it. I just want to ask as well a little bit about Nashville, actually, because mm-hmm. isn't that you recorded the second album in Nashville? Yeah, I did. Um, so I went out to Nashville to work with a couple of different writers. Um, one being Natalie Hemby. And the other being um, Alan Shamblin, who wrote um, I Can't Make You Love Me. Mm, my God, Chops. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and they wanted to work with me, which I was astounded <laughs> by. Um, that being one of my probably top 10, is in my top 10 songs of all time. Yes. Um, which, which version? Do you, I mean, I'm a Bonnie Raitt guy myself. Yeah, me too. Me too. There's like a live version of uh, that she does, I think maybe at the Ryman or somewhere, and it is... Pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, I did like Bon Iver's version. I think that was pretty good. I don't think I've heard that. Yeah, no, bon, I, I think I don't know if it lives on. I think it may only live as live version on YouTube okay. or something. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, her, her version is amazing. 
Um, so I went out to work with them. And then on that trip, I met um, Mike Elizondo. Um, and I, I, did a, I did a sort of writing session with him and Natalie and Ben Jackson Cook. And we, we wrote um, the, the lead single off the record. It's going to evade me now. All You Ever Wanted. <laughs> we wrote All You Ever Wanted together. And then Mike actually just invited us to come and have a look at his studio. He just moved from LA to Nashville. And it's like the most incredible studio I've ever seen in my life. This guy is, his career, like, is just incredible. Like, what Mike's done. Doing, like, being like Dr. Dre's right-hand man. And then doing, like, Fiona Apple. Like, it's so, it's so, <laughs> so broad. So I think I just fell in love with that place and Mike being so knowledgeable. Uh, so we were like, let's get the band together and go and record it together in Nashville. So yeah. I, I used my keys player, Ben, my bass player, Bill, Daru Jones, who's um, an amazing drummer, like plays with everybody, but is currently doing like Jack White. Wow. Um, he's he's like rock and roll, but got like a proper hip hop sensibility. Yeah. And just yeah, it's great. And then um and then Wendy Melvin from from Prince's huh. band. <laughs> and like these are not people that I have in my phone book, by the way. <laughs> part part of the reason why I I cho- and chose Mike Elizondo to produce it is because he has the black book of right. all of the, <laughs> the dreams. Main, yeah, exactly. Like oh maybe this person, Mike, he's like, Yeah, I'll just make the phone call. Like <sighs> he I don't know these people, but he could get so we we put that together. And then just played, we had like six days um, to play the whole record, you know, to to record it all. Because uh, when we got to Nashville, they were like, oh, by the way, there's this um, pandemic um, and everyone has to stay indoors. It was like the day we got there, they announced. um, And they were like, you basically got a week until you got to leave the US. Wow. And we booked three weeks to do the record. And um, obviously, originally, we were probably just going to go and play the parts and put it all together. But we were yeah. like, we've we got six days. Let's learn the songs and just play them. And then wow. Mike afterwards can do all of the necessary sort of mixing and, and put in if we want to add stuff. But that's the way it went down. So we just recorded it in like six days. And what you hear we recorded is pretty much and- what went on the record, you know. There's nothing like a pandemic to focus the mind <laughs> in the studio. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. And did, so did that. I, I guess that was that part of the special source of the record. The fact you, in in the end that you you yeah. all you, you know you sort of played as a band almost, as it, yeah, and, and then all, put overdubs over the top. It's, there are there is a few overdubs, but the mainly the only overdubs are backing vocals. Wow, because we we kind of put two or three people together in this studio and recorded the, the backing vocals and sent them to Mike. But that's pretty much it. Like every every vocal take of mine is live and all one take. And then all like the keys parts and the guitar parts, they're all one take as well. So Amazing. You know, it did it did feel it felt really good to be like, oh hang on a minute. You know the thing that we do as a job, should we should we just do that? You know, and just play it live. And it felt like a Nashville thing to do anyway. You like I mean is there a country album in Rag and Bone Man, do you think? Do you think you might uh, I don't. I definitely not like classic kind of country sounds. I mean, I I, I love um, stuff like Emily Harris, mm. and um, you know, I am big Johnny Cash fan. I like Willie Nelson and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, not not full country. Yeah, not the full Charlie Pride <laughs> no, sort no, of no. stuff. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, okay, well, that's something to look forward to in the later part of the career. 
We're going to hit the sunset moment now. Yeah. So this shit starts getting real here, of course, yeah. uh, on the downs. The sun's starting to go down. A couple of rums have been consumed. Yeah. Nana's coming to pick up the kids. This is where we're at now. Let's have a think about Act 4 for this very special moment. I kind of want to say sexy, so I feel like D'Angelo would be, <sighs> okay. would be amazing. Doesn't get much sexier than D'Angelo, does it? I think a lot of babies have been made to D'Angelo because of D'Angelo songs. I did once, uh, I, I went to a girl's house when I was at school and, um, and said, shall we, um, shall we listen to D'Angelo? And uh, she didn't know who D'Angelo was. I played it, she hated it, and I left. <laughs> That's such a great little story, that, isn't it? I just, I just, I didn't know what to do when she was like, oh, no, I don't really like this. So you actually left And then. I just said, okay. But I didn't know what to do. So I was just like, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> just left. Yeah, I, I was quite awkward, um, you know, in all situations, especially in, in the face of someone who didn't like the same music as me. That is difficult, though. I can understand that. But yeah, you're right. D'Angelo, it is sex in music, isn't it? This yeah. is sort of dripping yeah. with eroticism, isn't it? Yeah. It's something, of, I don't know, that's just him, I suppose. But that's yeah. what he brings to music, isn't it? Yeah, I, I first, I actually, I was introduced to, to that whole era of kind of, I, I guess people called it Neo Soul at the time through listening to D'Angelo and Jill Scott and then finding out about Angie Stone and Music Soul Child and Lyndon David Hall and that whole era. But D'Angelo's at the top of that pile for me. Erica Badu, I suppose. Erica Badu. Around that time, it's, it, it's all... Yeah, I guess that is Neo Soul, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I, I read a great, a great bit in um, in Questlove's book. He talks about his place in Philly was almost like a starting block for a lot of those artists. You know, where he'd have people come to his party and play. You know, and a lot of those people used to co go there and play. You know, oh. the Jill Scott and Music Soul Child yeah. and stuff like that. That was a really great era of music. Yeah, what I into my years anyway. You, you sometimes you hear modern blues, and it just sounds like a sort of crap version of the old blues, and it's yeah. a bit like that with so it's like crap yeah. Martone. Yeah. But then there are people like these artists who reimagined it completely. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I did because I when I first started off, I was like, I was kind of intent on reinventing like the blues and stuff, and being like, yeah, I could do like muddy waters, yeah. but with this, and 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 I suddenly realised that actually that was a bit naff and sort of pastiche version of those, it doesn't work and nobody wants yeah. to hear a new Muddy Waters because Muddy Waters exists. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I listen to sort of early recordings that I made and it's just sort of me trying to sound a bit like Muddy Waters with a very sort of American accent on stuff, you know? <laughs> and like, oh God, why was I singing like that? So we've got, look at that, D'Angelo. And it, it is that kind of point in the evening. It's getting dark. You're there with your missus. You've got the festival hug going on, probably. You're yeah, both watching. Yeah. You're at the back there. And so there we move into perhaps the most um, important part of the of the day itself, which is the headliner. Yeah. So who, this is the big one, really. Oh, no, it? this was really difficult. So I came down to two options. My first thought was Kanye. But I saw Kanye live at Glastonbury. Oh, were you there for that? Yeah, and it, it, 
it weren't great. <laughs> and I wasn't that battered, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't that. So no, I'm going to go with my original one, which is quite specific, is Kings of Leon mm. p- playing youth and young manhood. Oh. In its entirety, because I, oh. I, I'm so in love with that record still. I'm thinking that that came out in 2003, maybe. Yes, it would have been, because th- I, I actually went to see them on that album tour at the Concord in Brighton. Bloody hell. In two, it was 2003 or four, uh, yeah. around that time, because I was probably about 18 and I'd heard that record and just instantly, straight away, was just like, this is amazing like i used to play in, in my like first car just really fucking loud and they were so different as a band then that like, i remember seeing them on stage all dressed in plaid totally yeah. like <laughs> the scruffiest geezers you've ever seen in your life but just like the sound was just amazing something about kings of leon that i wasn't expecting but it's like again there's like there's a, there's a sort of americana country vibe mm-hmm. to it especially with that record that record was just, it was so, it was like um, Credence Clearwater Revival yeah. were yeah. back or yeah. something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, that it's it's country rock and roll soul, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Caleb, Caleb's voice is, is one of the great voices, actually, isn't it? Yeah. It, and it was so, I remember at the time really trying to work out what he was singing because he was, his voice, it was like this amazing voice, but it had this, just, I couldn't work it out. I was like, what is he singing about? I remember printing off the lyrics to just to work out what the song was saying. You know, he has a yelp, doesn't he? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's, yeah, it's almost like the- it's almost slightly like the guy from Police Academy. <laughs> you know, like a little tiny bit of that. There's a little bit of his own language going on. That's not me. Yeah, he's like, what, what is that? And have you ever met them? Have you ever? I've never met them? them. No, and never seen them live since. I re- I remember one of 2008 Glastonbury, and I was in a destroyed state there, and it wasn't because of drugs or anything. It was because of my first child had just been born. Really, and I was literally t- like six weeks before or something. So you know what that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in yeah. a state. They headlined the Friday night. Yeah, and they opened with the track "Crawl," which was brand mm-hmm. new there. Which is again. See, you forget how many great music moments the Kings of Leon have been responsible for, don't you? When you go back, it's like, fuck, yeah, they, I guess they're kind of an underrated band in a way. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm not knocking what they've done. You know, I think all of their albums have got great moments on them. It's just because I was introduced to them through that record. Like, Our, Heart, Our Heart-Shaped Heartbreak is is also amazing. Yeah. And yeah. then when it gets a bit more sort of stadium after that, there are points where I switched off but then came yeah. back to and I was like, no, actually... This is amazing. It's just because yeah. I was so in love with the first Kings of Leon that I listened to. But do you get that feeling a little bit as well, Rory, that as you get bigger, mm-hmm. do you worry sometimes that you could go to stadium? You know, do, do, do you have to keep one eye on that? Mm-hmm. Or do you sometimes make a record thinking, well, if I'm going to be playing the uh, twenty, you know, the R2, I want to fill it out? I never really thought about that, to be honest. I just make music that I like, and I've never tried to... I never make music in mind does this appeal to everybody like the masses as such? But I like a pop chorus. So that, you know, that's, I I really enjoy pop music. And so when other people are like, well, this is a bit poppy, you know, what you did, what you used to do back then was like, that was the best or whatever. I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's your, that's, you know, your opinion, but I, I just do what I want to do. So, you know, 
you are really good at writing um, pop choruses, though. That's <laughs> it's just you're really, really good at it. And and I guess we we circle back, you know, as we we, we probably start to bring the evening to a close after the Kings of Leon. Uh, what would be what's the best last song for the Kings of Leon for them to sort of oh, go off to? I'll probably just go off on a on a bang like the Red Morning Lights. Pretty. Yeah, I was thinking exactly that. That was kind of that's yeah. Yeah, you've got to end the on big a, first single. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, there's a, there's good. a track called Tranny, which is pretty amazing, but I think that's not an end point. Here we are. We're standing at the end. Our ears are ringing. We don't need an ancillary tent for an after show. But just so I let you go, like as, speaking about those big songs, and Human was first album, the first big song. Yeah. What's great about your career is that you've you've proven yourself again and again. You've you've continued to write songs as good and uh, that supersede it you know it's not like oh you had the one really great song yeah. and you can't really best it you've already done yeah. that yeah so what is your relationship like with it though and also what are the good things and the bad things that come with having a what was a super hit like that yeah i mean i don't it's quite a common question about like people like always always ask whether you get tired of playing that song and i feel like Actually, I'm not that far into my career where yeah. I get tired of it yet. You know, yeah. I've been playing it for what six, seven years. I wrote it in 2016, so yeah, it's, it's like six, seven years. And I, I don't Should think. Should we that, ask you? We'll ask you I again in 30 years. Yeah, I don't think that's long enough. And I, and I, <laughs> I like. I feel like I'm not at the point where I could go and play a gig and not play. Like I couldn't. Like I've never gone to a, play a gig and thought I'm not going to play Giant or I'm yeah. not going to play Skin, or I'm not going to play Human, because I'm not at the point in my career where I could do that. And yeah. I think even if I had another few hits or whatever in my career, then I still would play those songs, because they're the yeah. ones that people want to hear, which is which is okay, because there are yeah. there are people in that audience that want to hear songs like Perfume or Circles or whatever, you know, the songs that aren't so widely known. People still sing along with those ones, and that that makes yeah. that cool. So I do listen to the song sometimes. I think, did, did I did I say the word human a bit too many times in that song? And I think <laughs> the answer is yes. But I think <laughs> I recorded this and wrote and recorded that song pretty much in one day. And if I was given if I was given the opportunity to go back, I probably would have messed it up by overthinking yeah. it. You know, I wouldn't, oh no, Absolutely. let's change that part. The middle eight's not quite right. I said human six too many times. Let's take those <laughs> ones out. And then probably wouldn't have been that successful. Yeah. So in hindsight, I'm very grateful for the song because, you know, immediately turned my audiences from like an 1800 capacity venue somewhere to playing like the Zenith in France to like 11,000 people. Yeah, you can't not be, to be grateful for that. Wow. I had those phone calls from friends, like my mate Mark. I remember specifically him calling me up, and he'd he'd moved to um, to Australia a couple of years before, and he was like, "Dude, I'm on site, like building this house somewhere, and they are playing that rec your record on the radio like six, seven times a day, and this is when it first came out." And I was like, "That's him. That's amazing, now, you know." And we got, and after that, got to go and tour New Zealand and Australia. We were never very well off. You know, so I never went on holidays abroad and I never traveled or anything like that. And I'd always wanted to. And and the fact that music allowed me to travel and go to these places was just blew my mind. I was like, 
I'm in Aust- I'm in Australia, but it's because of music. Oh wow! Well, we should let you get back to it then, really. In case <laughs> you you might be having a conversation yeah. with me whilst yeah. the lightning bolt is looking for somewhere to strike. Oh, you yeah. know, I would hate to yeah. be responsible for you missing that hit. It's been a great, great pleasure. I will not Thank forget. You. I do have to ask: yeah. should we should we name it? Oh, yeah, this is difficult. You know what? I, I'm going to throw something out okay. here. I quite, li- I quite like the idea of calling it the Diplomatico Festival. Okay, and then we can get a sponsor too. We can get a sponsor, yeah. so we don't have to yeah. pay for any rum. Rum. And also, it is like diplomatic. You know, it's yeah. like uh, talk, having lots of different conversations, lots of different vibes. Yeah, I'll take so, that. And uh, right. yeah, invite, invite all of the rum committee boys and we can have a, a reunion. Yeah. And, uh, oh. That'd be nice. There you go. We yeah. got it. We got our ending. <laughs> Listen, I, d- I don't know what to say except thank you very much. It's been lovely to have finally get this chat time with you, uh, Rory. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. Can't wait to see you at the front of Diplomatico Fest. And thanks for joining us today, Rag and Bone Man. Thank thanks you. for doing that, mate. <laughs> You're more than welcome. That was fun. And there we have it. Another vintage, by which I mean tremendous, lineup brought to you, I'm so proud to say, by Fender's American Vintage 2 guitar range. Recreations of the most iconic guitars from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, my spiritual home, built to all the original specifications. If it's good enough for Patty Smith, just saying, you know. Imagine what it would sound like plugged into an amp. Head to fender.com forward slash the lineup to learn more.